it's simple, really. Great stories with a good cup of tea. It's the Tea with Mike show. Please welcome to today's episode of the Tea with Mike podcast, uh, Sabrina Diaz, a school teacher, an American Brazilian singer, songwriter, and musician. Uh, you may have seen uh, Sabrina performing recently on season 21 of Voice as part of John Legend's team. Welcome to the Tea with Mike podcast, Sabrina. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited and let's get to it. Woo! I'm excited too and I'm just ready uh, to vibe out uh, and dig into your story. Let's start nice and easy. Uh, where did you grow up and where do you call home now? I grew up in Newark, New Jersey. Um, my parents came from Brazil before I was born. Um, so I was born in Newark, raised in Newark, went to school in Newark, went to high school. Um, and I would say that Newark is still my home. It's still um, the place that I'm I'm always around Newark. I work in Newark now. So um, that's where we are. And, and how big, how, how many people live in the place that you live? Uh, right now, me, my fiance, and our daughter. She's four years old. How big is the city that you live in? Oh, the city. Um, it's a big city. I don't know how many people live in Newark, but it's... I would say it's a huge city, yeah. And how, and how would you describe the city um, to somebody that knows nothing about it? So Newark is a very musical, artistic place. If you go out to little bars at night, you'll hear music. Um, if you go into a school, there'll be a lot of music going. We have a lot of after-school programs in Newark. Um, so they invest a lot in the arts, and they do their best to, to do um, programs that are free um, because a lot of kids here, they don't have all those benefits. Um, so yeah, I love to give back and I love to be a music teacher where I grew up and help my kids grow and become become something great. Initially off the top, it sounds like a good place for you get that balance between education and also, also music and also uh, your creative side. It sounds like a healthy environment for you to flourish. Yes. So what were you kind of like as a kid? What were some of your favorite things to do growing up? So growing up, um, first I always loved music. So I, when I was eight years old, I told my mom I wanted to play drums. Um, and she said, no drums, let's start with some piano. Um, drums is too aggressive. Boys, let the boys play the drums. And I was like, come on, mom, I want to play. Like, I, I promise I'll practice. And she said, no. So she made me do piano. She said, if you do piano for a year and you still want to do drums, I'll let you do it. Um, so my journey with music started there. Um, so as a kid, I was very musical. Um, I was good at music. I wasn't great at math. Math was not my subject. Um, but I was good at English because I was a good storyteller, um, which ties, I guess, into the music world. I feel like they walk hand in hand. I'm good at music. I love sports. Um, I always tried to be involved in sports. I played volleyball. I played soccer. But yeah, that was I was like a little tomboy, sports kind of girl. Definitely more on the, the creative and the outside sort of subjects and activities versus sitting in a classroom uh, learning kind of equations and uh, things like that. Yeah, I wasn't, um, I would say, my parents always says, you can get A's and B's and everything. If you get a C in math, we won't kill you. So that was the house rules. How would your teachers describe you if you were to ask them in the what were you like in that classroom? How would they describe your personality? How did you interact with others? I was very friendly. Um, I never liked bullies and I never was okay with it. So if one of my friends were bullied or something like that, I always would do my best to stand up for them. Um, but I was a very friendly kid. I wasn't involved in drama. I hated girl drama, so I stayed away from it. Um, and I liked to have fun. I thought that the world should be a kind place with good people. I was a goofy kid. I was very goofy with all my friends. Um, and sometimes, at first, I was shy. Like, if I asked some teachers, like, how was I in third grade? They would say, 
all of them say, you were one of the good kids. You were the reason we were teaching. You never gave us issues. I wasn't, a, I wouldn't say I was a troublemaker, but I was goofy and I like to have fun. Sometimes I got in trouble. That is kind of how I was in school. I, I never fundamentally set out to cause trouble, but I did like to talk a lot. So like talking a lot did lead me to a little bit of trouble because I, I just wouldn't shut up and I just wanted to talk to everyone and everyone about anything but like what we were learning. So fundamentally it came from a, a good place, but obviously as you go through school, you don't fully, you're still developing. You don't know where you're going to end up in life. You've yeah. never heard of podcasting and how you can actually turn your interest and passion for things like storytelling, creativity into yeah. like a full-time living because in the education system, for the most part, it, it's very, it's very traditional, right? And so a lot of people yeah. discover what they're truly good at after school and not in school. Exactly. And I mean, they, they keep us in there for six hours. We're sitting down looking at each other. At one point, we got to act out, right? And you know you're destined for something else when you've just got all this like like energy and, and everyone's like, where do you get this energy from? But it's, but it's, to your point, it's all about channeling it in the right way. But nobody's perfect in life, so it takes years and years to learn how to channel that energy into something meaningful. Yes, exactly. I A little uh, tea fact for the episode, because we're all about uh, tea on the Tea With Mike podcast. You <laughs> always want to learn something new, both for myself personally and for any other uh, tea listeners out there. So the, today's tea fact is... Matcha tea is a green tea that comes in powder form and apparently is used extensively in Japanese tea ceremonies. And this comes from teahow.com slash 100 facts about tea. Well, do you want to know what kind of tea I like? Yeah, go for it. I'd love to know. So my favorite kind of tea is chamomile. Sure, a lot of people say that because it's so sweet and it tastes good and I and I fill it up with honey, you know, so I think that... Uh, do, you, do you do honey on your tea? Put plenty, either black or, or, a t or a tiny bit of milk. Once in a while I've had honey, but it's not really where I lie on, I guess, the tea scale. I like green tea occasionally because it's got good health benefits. And then also, oh, what was the other one? Oh, chai tea. Uh, I found chai tea very interesting because... It's something that you can drink over a longer period of time than something like a black tea. It starts off yeah. hot, but then as it, get cold, as it gets a little cooler, it gives a completely different like, vibe and taste. Yeah, my fiancé likes chai, and my, my grandma drinks tea with milk, so she taught us to drink that early. Um, but as singers, you know, the tea in to, to sound better. <laughs> and what would you say is best like tea for, like for aspiring singers to drink to, like, to look after their voice? Because ultimately, when you're singing, you rely on the vocals. Honestly, I would say I don't know too much about that because I'm not a big tea tea girl. But um, I know that anything with honey would be helpful because the honey also helps with the vocal cords and keep it. You know, if, if you have a cold, you're going to put honey. So I would say I usually drink chamomile, but it varies. It depends. What is kind of one piece of music or artist that you remember most from your childhood and why? I would say... Name a few. I can name a few. Okay. Um, I would say my top would be Taylor Swift. I love Ed Sheeran. Me too. Um, I, I, do you? Storytelling. It's all about storytelling. Exactly. And they're both amazing at that. Um, I think that those are the two artists that I connect with where I can, I can hear myself in their music. I really, cause I love, I'm, I'm mind blown by the, by love. Right. And I feel like any type of love song, sometimes it, it speaks deeper. Um, so I think that those two artists would be a big part of, me of who i am as an artist um of inspiration and all of that and i liked them since i was younger awesome have you, have you ever been to any of their concerts or met either of them well with ed sheeran and i've worked with him on the voice yes um, but i've actually yeah. never 
but I've never been to their concert, which is something that I definitely want to do now. What was it like walking into the room and seeing Ed Sheeran there? Because obviously, like, obviously we'll keep this, like, respectable, but obviously, like, I, I watched the show as, as someone that loves The Voice, but they were, you're only seeing glimpses, aren't you? You're not seeing the full interaction because it's edited for TV. So, yeah. like, like, what was it kind of like? I had no idea. I really didn't think it would be him. Um, so I was thinking, like... I don't know anybody else I didn't he was the last person on my mind that I would expect to be there and so when I come in as a as a fan of his as a person that is really inspired by him and I look up to him as a musician because that's the thing about him he's not just a singer he's a musician and that's how I I'm not just a singer I'm a musician we connected very well in that aspect where when I walked in I was like oh shoot right this is Ed Sheeran <laughs> he's here and um, I'm singing his song because I was singing photograph for yes. the knockout um, so that was a little bit I got a little uh, nervous um, having the the writer of the song and the singer of the song in front of me, but I said, you know what, we're here. I'm gonna give him my best, and I took his advice. Um, he said at first I wasn't gonna play the drums till the end, um, and as I was singing and playing, he was like, you know what, I think you should play it till the end because I think it's more powerful and and it just made a huge difference to the song. And that's when I did it. I played it till the end, and he loved it. Um, but he is a genius, super nice person. He was yes. not snobby at all. Like, you would never say this guy is an, a celebrity if you saw him walking in the street. You know, like a normal. Uh, obviously, I'm from England, but and I and I love Ed Sheeran's like music. But I always imagine him just based off interviews that he's done and stuff, and the way he conducts himself. That you could easily walk into the bar and have a like a beer with him, and he'd be just like, "Hey, what's up?" A bucket list item of mine eventually is to get Ed Sheeran on the Tea with my podcast. I think he'll do it. I'm dead serious. I really think he'll say, ah, why not? Let's have some tea, Mike. That's it. No, for sure. So do you remember kind of what the first record CD or download that you uh, bought? Like any reasons why you bought this uh, specific, I guess, track CD or download? Well, let me, let me take you back a little bit. So growing up, I grew up in a religious home, right? And with that, um, it is not good to listen to unchristian music. I'm sure you've probably heard of that before, right? I grew up with uh, my parents were pastors. They were great parents. Um, they were very loving. I had a loving household. Um, and I loved church when I was younger. I was very in it. I was like in the worship team. And then I became worship director. And I, and I was basically doing everything, a youth leader. Every, so growing up in that, we all knew, oh, shoot, we can't listen to unchristian music, which kind of, um, I'm at a point, I wish I wasn't taught that. I wish that I knew all of this when I was younger because I would be 10 steps ahead. Because I would have bought Ed Sheeran's track when I was, I don't know, 10, you know, I wouldn't have had to wait till now to be exposed to everything um, right. because I, I stayed there until the age of 22. So it was, it's, it's a big bubble to be hidden. And now, boom, you're in the voice and the world is open. And it's like, oh my God, I got to catch up. Why it took forever for me to get to this point. So it sucked. In that aspect, it sucked that I can't tell you like, oh, I bought it when I was 15 years old. That's my answer. But I had to kind of give you the background so you can understand. The context. Why. No I, no, yes. no, I got you. But at the same time, I really believe that life's a process and a journey and, wh and where you are in one moment is not where you are in the next. And that's the, the, the best, but also the worst thing at, at, at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. What kind of inspired you to follow a career in music? Well, my mom was always a, a, a singer and my family, I come from a family of musicians. So my brother was constantly playing. He, he played electric guitar and my cousin was a, an opera singer and musical theater. Um, and my little sister was a dancer, um, and my mom always led worship at church, so I was always, and I started playing piano when I was eight, and I, she finally put me in drums. I begged her when I was nine. She, she gave up, um, and I was really good at it. At a young age, I, I killed, practiced a lot. Nice. 
Um, perseverance. So yes, exactly, perseverance. Um, so my mom, I would say, her musicality and her always being in in, in church and music and all that brought me to it, um, and that's where I would say my inspiration come from. My mom, my mom was a big part of that, and she always pushed me to to do it, to sing and to to perform and to play. So you went to college, right? Yes, I went to Kane University when I left high school. Um, I did four years of music in high school. I went to arts high school. Um, so I did every day 80 minutes of music. Um, and, I, and by the end of those four years, I said, I'm tired of this. I've been doing classical music a little break. So let me think of something different because I don't want, to, I don't want that to kill music for me. You know what I mean? Um, so I started college doing, um, I, did, I got a degree in global fitness and wellness. So kind of like personal training, body, everything. Um, I got that degree at Kane. But in the mean, in the middle of that, I said I miss music, so I, I started joining the music program at Kane University. Um, then I went to when I finished, I said, I can't run away from it. I love music. I gotta go back. So I went to NJCU, New Jersey City University, and I got a bachelor's in music. Now I just finished getting my master's in education. Oh, congratulations! Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, so I went to two universities, three degrees, lots of hard work. Through this like journey of education, like what what were some of the things you kind of learned about yourself from studying all these different programs? Obviously, there were probably some connections between them, but also some sharp differences. Well, okay, so I learned discipline. Um, because at, even though I was in college, I was working, right? So I learned a lot of discipline and I learned time management and it came to a point where, because I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist, right? So if I'm going to do something and it's too much, sometimes if I'm going to do something, it needs to be perfect. It needs to be great. And I came to a point where I said, okay, I have this assignment. I know I got to do it because I got to pass this class, but what's more important, this assignment or the music that I'm doing, that's going to be my future tomorrow. So I got to a point where I learned how to okay, let me read what's necessary. Let me learn how to do, you know, you kind of got to play a game. I'm just being honest with you. You kind of got to play a game because you got other stuff. You can't just depend on the, the schoolwork. It's crazy. It's too much. Um, so I learned how to, okay, read this, this, and that. Okay, this is what I need. Boom, boom, boom. Did that paper. Now back to what is my focus? Where am I going in life? That's what really matters, you know? Because, of course, you need the degree. In some cases, you need the degree. Like right. I'm an educator. I can't, I can't teach if I don't have that degree. Um, so I learned time management, discipline, um, how to interact with people, how to deal with difficult people, how to deal with great people, how to deal with jerk professors, how to deal with nice professors. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a huge life lesson on how to live, really. And that's going to benefit you for, for, for the rest of your living days because ultimately it's a, it's a people's game, especially in education and also music go back to like playing the drums at your parents at church and i want i want you to talk about um winning the, the star ledger at performing arts scholarship yeah and and kind of a little bit about that and how, how it you get to the next step which i guess i guess we skipped ahead but it, which would be get, going into uh, university and college so like i said i started drums when i was nine my mom put me in drum lessons um i did drum lessons for years um and i started playing in church and then when i got to eighth grade i said i'm gonna audition for arts i auditioned got in thankfully and i did the four years and in the midst of that i studied jazz and classical music at arts high school and music theory all that um and by the time I was a senior, I started, um, I had, there was the Star Ledger Scholarship. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go for it. Um, no drummer had ever won before. It was usually singers or actors or dancers. Right. And I said, let's give it a shot. Let's do it. So my, my teacher, he gave me a whole piece, drum piece, and I did it. I went in and I said, if they like it, 
okay, if they don't, I give it a shot. And I performed, um, and I remember they gave me a call back. So they said, okay, I come back, and you're going to do it one more time for an, another part. I came back, and I performed it. And then um, the boss was like, hey, um, we're going to give out the the, what's the prizes. Like, there was first, second, yeah. third, and fourth. Okay. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm one of the four. And I came in, and they said, okay, in fourth place, this person. And then in third place, my other friend. And then second, and then I was like, oh, shit. And then when they said first place, Sabrina Diaz, I came up, and I was I was mind blown. But I always believed in myself. And I always believed that um, your hard work and practice and doing what you got to do, it pays off. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. And that got me through my first four years of college. I also saw that you played at the inauguration of International uh, Jazz Day. It sounded cool. So can you tell us a little bit about the event, kind of how, how you got the opportunity to perform it at such a cool event and, and maybe some of the other artists that you kind of met there? Yes. Um, so it's funny because when I was in high school, um, I loved my principal. Her name is Miss Jackson. She always called me Sheila E. Right, because I was a drummer, and I don't know if you know Sheila E. She's a Latin drummer, percussionist. She's a badass. She's really good. And she was like, you're going to see. You're going to be like Sheila E. one day, girl. Watch, watch and see. Watch and see. And I used to be like, who is Sheila E.? And I remember uh, I got ready, right? We were we were working with the Thelonious Monk program. They used to come to the high school. Um, his name was J.B. Dias, and he would teach us jazz. It was a jazz program. And it was an um, international jazz day, right? They, it was the inauguration. So they said, we're going to invite the Arts High School jazz band to play at the reception. So first they had the show. Herbie Hancock played, Sheila E., all of them. Like, oh, they wow. Did, like, Stevie Wonder, yeah, amazing. Holy. And then they all, all those people, go. and at the reception, there we were playing our tunes. And I didn't know who was Sheila E. And I remember she came up and I was playing drum set and she was like, hey, can I take a picture with you? And I was playing the drum set and I didn't know who she was. And I was like, this is probably just, you know, one of the somebody that came in and they, they just want to take a picture. And I was like, OK, just let me just finish this song. And I see my principal looking at me like, you better get up and take that picture. Do you know who that is? And then I got up and, I, and she was like, that's Sheila E. I was like, what? That's Sheila E. So I got up, I took a picture, and after that, I researched her, and I was like, I cannot believe I just met this person. I didn't know who wow. they were. Um, so it was a mind-blowing experience. We, we, Stevie Wonder, all these people, amazing musicians that I look up to as a jazz musician as well. Um, so it was an honor. It was a privilege to be there, and that opened the doors to so many things. The Arts High School opened the doors to many things in my life. Is there a particular moment or interaction that stood out for you on this particular day? Well, yes, yes. I, I guess that would be, okay, that would that would be the moment where after I knew who she was, right? And I'm in this person that, she was in my shoes one day. She's a female. She's a drummer. She's a percussionist. Um, and she's here saying, like, you got this. You killed it. You can do this. You know, so that would be my greatest inspiration um, from that day. I still want to play with her one day. Hopefully if she... Uh, answers me on Instagram. If she sees me ever one day playing out there, I, I hope to play with her one day because that would be a, a real honor. One of your like bucket list items, like my, one of mine is Ed Sheeran being on the team with my podcast. Exactly. That's Again, obviously when I'm doing like doing some research, so I saw this article that, that obviously I read on the New Walk Board of Education's website uh, where you accredit your mom with inspiring you to take singing lessons. So can you tell us a little bit about this? Singing lessons. Yes. yes. So my mom always, um, I used to, I guess I would sing around the house. 
um, and she used to be like, you have a good voice, come on, um, why don't you try to sing? And I said, no, here, I'm a drummer, that's it, I'm a musician. And she said that my whole life, ever since I was like a little preteen. Um, and I remember one day we were we were home and she was singing the song. She was like, can you just sing the song with me real quick? I just want to see something. And I started singing and she was like, you just did the the alto for what I was singing. And I said, what, what the hell is an alto? You know, like, I don't know what that is. And she was like, I'm telling you, you are talented. Please go do uh, vocal lessons. And at that point, I was I was still younger, but I that, that always stayed in my mind. And when I turned 16, I decided, I, I think at that point, I fell in love with music and with seeing performers. That's what it was. I used to see videos, and I would see these people, these singers perform, and I used to want to be them. Um, so that's the point where I said, I'm going to go for it. And she put me in vocal lessons, both my parents put me in vocal lessons, and that's where my vocal journey started, 16 years old. Still relatively early in the grand scheme of life, though. So you, you pro in some ways, you're probably grateful that it happened at 16 versus 58. Oh, yeah, for sure. Of course. Uh, obviously, we've established uh, that you're very musical and uh, you can play a lot of different instruments. So which, which instrument, I guess, is the most challenging to learn how to play? Is it the piano? Is it learning to play the drums? Is it the guitar, which we haven't really talked about yet? Or even, is it learning to sing? Which is the most challenging? I think, okay. I think that every instrument gets challenging, right? There comes a point where, when people ask me, what's the hardest instrument? I always say, well, there's no such thing as the hardest instrument. It's just really like, if you have bad coordination, drums is gonna be very difficult for you. Right. Um, if you if you don't practice the guitar, if you don't if your fingers are not practicing, you are not gonna get those really beautiful notes. Um, anything that you don't practice is not gonna happen, right? So I don't I wouldn't say there's the most difficult instrument, but I would say for myself, I think because my mom forced me to do piano when I was eight, I never wanted anything to do with piano. After that, I I, I like that was the one instrument that I would shut out, um, and to this day. I would say that piano is, let's say, what I'm least proficient at. So, but it is an instrument that now I'm like, okay, I really want to perfect it because it's it's beautiful. And now, you know, I I accept it and I and I and I actually want to learn it for myself. Um, so I would say that for me, the the guitar is complex and the piano I've only have rated at it because of my past experience. Said, what's the hardest one, Sabrina? What, what would you say? Okay, guitar. You have the opportunity uh, to perform in Africa. So obviously that's a kind of a, a cool, amazing experience. So can you tell us a little about a bit, a little bit about this? Yes, that was actually a, a mission trip when I was um, okay. doing at church. Um, and my dad, he's the pastor, and he opened a, a church in Africa, and it was their inauguration. Um, so he wanted to bring the worship team, the youth worship team, um, to go perform in Africa. Um, so we all went. It was a ten-day trip. Um, and we, we gave back to them, of course, we, we were going around and, and helping everybody there, bringing clothes and food and all of that. Um, but we got to perform in Africa, which was amazing. And what I say always is, um, when those people sing, when they sing, it is out of this world. It is beautiful. And, they, and, and it's not like um, they need a mic. They don't need instruments. They just, they open their mouth and you're in another land. So I was very inspired by seeing that and by their gratitude. Um, so Africa to me, I, it was more of a learning experience for me. They gave more to me than I gave to them. That's how I feel about it. Wow. 
was growth. Yeah. That's already a lot of like cool, cool stuff, but that's like obviously not the only uh, part of you because you're also a school uh, music teacher as well. So why did you why did why did you want to become a teacher? It's a it's one of the most inspiring professions, but at the same time one of the most challenging in my opinion. My mom's a school teacher. Was a school teacher. Yes. Yes. Does she love it? Yes. Yeah, so obviously, good good days and bad days. Like probably, I'd say a bad I'd say a bad day was like because I went to a small school at first. So I I was in her class. So let's say okay. that didn't end too well. But it's a unique situation. That like how many sons end up in their like mother's class? You know, in in an education environment where you have to be a student and not the son. It's challenging. Yeah. So teaching, I would say teaching. You got to be a badass to be a teacher. That's the first thing because, like you said, you're gonna have great days. Like some days I'll come in, all my kids are paying attention, they're all in it, they want to do the music, they're excited, and then the next day I'll get the same class and they're out of their out of their minds, out of control. They they're going nuts. and then if one kid is having a bad day, that kid can disrupt everything if you don't have class management because it's it's going down. But I think teaching is one of the greatest ways to make a difference. If you ask me, oh, who is one of the people who made the biggest difference in your life? It would be a teacher. Why? Because you spend most of your day with them. Um, they inspire you. They teach you. They they show you that you can do great things. And I said that's what I want to do for my students. I want to show them that um, they are better than where we grew up. Because where we grow up, sometimes they, it, it tries to define us. I say just because you grow up in poverty, or just because you don't have everything that you want, or you didn't get the benefit of certain things, that doesn't mean that that's who you are. Um, so I I think that that's that's something that I just need to put in their mind because they're great. They're smart, they're fantastic, they know how to do it. And, and as a music teacher, I want to inspire these kids to be musicians, to be singers, to be performers. And what I noticed is I was always a dreamer, which I think is why I have just this big motivation. I was always like, well, if if John Legend made it, why can't I make it? You know, what's the difference? He's human, I'm human. If Ariana Grande made it, why can't this girl make it? She sings pop. Um, and I think it's really about your drive. And it's really about go chasing your dreams. And that's what I teach them. You are no different than any artist. You want to be an actor, you be an actor. Motivator. How do you use your unique skills like to help these students? Do you have any like specific examples? And rather than just putting them here, here's she music, read it and play it. I like to explore with them. So I would say, okay, I'll play a backtrack. Here's the beat. Let's start. Show me what you can do. Feel the beat. And they would start like, and then I, from there, I can already tell, okay, this person has rhythm, this person needs help. This person can feel it, this person definitely does not feel it. Um, and I kind of build that as my base to where is my class, where do they stand, how much do they know. Of course, we have assessments and all that. Um, but I'd like to allow them to explore it, and i like to allow them to play music that they enjoy. They need to learn classical, they need to learn jazz, they need to learn all that stuff, but they need to play what they love because they'll get tired of it. Because that's also what happened to me. Sometimes if you're constantly playing something that you don't want to, you get tired of it, and you don't want to do it. Um, so we play hip hop, we play oh, nice. Latin music, we play a lot of stuff and, and they have fun with it. From an outside, just based on what you tell me, it's probably a very energetic and cool environment to be in. Thank you, yes. Imagining it's quite chaotic, but yet the, the, there's a purpose and a structure like deep down to the chaos. Yes, for sure. There's like, if I, if I put my hand as a fist, that means stop right now. Like the music has stopped stop, and they stop. And if one of them keeps playing, the other one goes, yo, stop, stop, bro, stop. Because you're going to mess it up for the whole class. Stop. Because they actually want to be there, you know? So I'm very, that's one thing that makes me very happy. But but which is more nerve-wracking? Teaching a class of students and music where you don't know their moods or walking out to perform on the voice stage? Walking out to perform on the voice. Definitely more nerve-wracking because 
Here's the reason. Every time you walk on that stage, you're winning or you're losing. It's not sure. just a performance. If it was like, I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to play for Ariana Grande. I'm just going to play for fun. Kelly Clarkson's going to love my song. It's like, if I don't kill it, somebody's going home. You get what I'm saying? So that part, like the competition, the competition. So that leads nicely into why did you decide to audition for The Voice? Why did I decide? Well, it was actually very random. I got an email um, and they said, hey, if you want to audition, going to be virtual this year. And we were in quarantine. Right? It was when COVID happened. And I said, it's going to be virtual. I'm going to I'm gonna try it. So I, I prepared three songs and I said, okay, this is the song I'm going to sing. Um, and they give you the link. You come in. Nobody's watching you. They, you make the video and then you send it and then they watch it and then they, they'll send you a message in like 15 minutes. You got it or you didn't. Um, so yeah, so I, I sent in my video. I sang All of Me by John Legend. Um, and they sent me 15 minutes later, hey, you got a call back. Um, prepare three songs. You're going to be singing one after the other. Um, and, that, and then there's the whole interview process. And it's like, you make it here? Okay, next part. You make it, next part. Until you get to there. So out of 40,000 people, 90 people make it to LA. And oh, then really? out of Yeah, and then out of 90... Uh, 48 people make it to the teams. Um, so it's a big, big competition. So I'm very glad I even got the chance to be there and the opportunity that now these people know my voice. Very humbling. That's crazy. So at, at that point, in a lot of ways, you, you've already made it because you've already come so far and people obviously like don't see that. They only see the blind auditions, right? But there's so much more that happens before the blind auditions. Exactly, yeah. So can you tell a little bit more broadly about the kind of your overall experience on The Voice, what it was kind of like, what you learned from it, or any of those types of things? So being on The Voice um, was incredible. First meeting all the contestants, um, like the winners, girl named Tom, they live in Ohio, and then we have people who live in LA, and, and all Indiana, all over the world. Um, so it's really fun to see people from different places come together, and we're all different, but we all, you know, so we would like go to the park and people would be singing duets together. Um, and we had like a whole soccer game of like, I don't know, 90 of us, 50-50. Um, so we had a lot of bonding, which was, I think, the biggest takeaway where now you've made friendships with these amazing people and you can collaborate and, and we're all helping each other out, you know, with songwriting and all of that. Um, but the voice being on the stage, like the vocal coach, incredible. Trelawney and Bird, um, those are the two that I worked with. They were inspiring. They're constantly like, you don't see anybody shutting people out. You don't see anyone being rude. Um, even like I worked with John Legend. He is a genius, amazing, um, humble guy. You know, like sometimes we expect people who made it, who are artists to be jerks. Um, and I didn't see that at all and no point with any of them. Um, so it was incredible um, that we learned so much out of all the tips, like in rehearsals, um, practicing and John Legend would say like, oh, I think you should do this. This would make you sound better or like the vocal coach would change things to, to, to give you more of a, I don't know, to show you off your voice more. Um, but I, it helped me grow as an artist and it made me realize this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So what were some of the, like, the most challenging things about being on The Voice? Maybe adding on from obviously that competition mentality and having to deliver each and every single time you get, go on the stage. The most challenging I think would be um, like every time that you go up there, at least for the, because I, I went up to the knockouts, right? So the battle, I mean, the blind round, it was nerve-wracking to sing and not have anybody looking at you because for me, I would say that I'm, I like to perform and show what I'm saying, right? So I'm a big storyteller and nobody could see the story I was telling. They could only hear the story that I was telling. So I think that the blind audition, that was the hardest part about that, where it's almost like, even if your voice is shaky, 
but like because of the nerves, um, they they don't see you. So they can't really, you know, it's different when people can see you. Um, but I think the hardest part was like the battle round where me and Jack, my, my friend Jack, we, we sang Cardigan by Taylor Swift um, and going against this person that's your friend. And it's almost like you, one of us is sending each other home, you know? So I think that that mental part of it is the hardest part. Um, and always just being confident that like, okay, I'm not the type of singer that I do all those riffs. And I mean, I don't do all the ah, going up and down and all that stuff, you know? Um, but my voice is different and you have to be unique and you have to own it. I think that's the key for my takeaways. Be unique, be authentic, be yourself. Doesn't matter what the other person sounds like. That's all you can bring to the table. Would you say that's the number one thing that you learned like overall from the entire experience as well as the connections that you made and uh, developed friendships if you already knew a few of these people before the voice? Yes, the, the biggest thing I learned was be authentic. Um, be you, no matter what you do. So obviously we've clearly established that you're a performer and as well as an educator. So obviously you're very busy. So what do you kind of do to look after your uh, physical and mental health on kind of a daily basis? So I like to, I love sports um, and I like cooking. So to, to keep myself sane and relax, um, I like to cook while I watch Friends or I play music. I love Friends. Friends is my favorite show. So like to like sports, like I went sledding yesterday because it snowed over here. So I was out sledding, um, soccer, basketball. We have a yard. We could shoot hoops and all that. So I do my best to to stay active and to turn off my brain. So for you, it's important that to, to get a break, get outdoors, and switch off the te technology to to stay to stay sane, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You lose it. Stuff. It's like you're working yeah. a full time job. You're doing your music. You have to. Your mind has to stay creative, because if you're if you're mentally exhausted, nothing happens. So, what's kind of next for you, both personally and professionally? Is it more of the same, or is there some cool stuff like coming on the music set? So, um, okay, I'll I'll spill the beans a little bit. So, I have I, I'm recording a few covers that are gonna be on all the platforms, and I'm gonna make videos for them. It's actually gonna be covers of the songs I did on The Voice. So, I think that's gonna people will really appreciate that. Um, and I'm also coming out with the song. It's my first original song. Um, working with a producer. Um, so that should be coming out very soon. In the next, I hope, three months, um, all of that will be out. released to the universe. Yes. What's like kind of one piece of advice that you would like to pass on to somebody that might be listening to this podcast? Whether that's more general or whether that's specific to any aspiring singers or musicians that might want to might want to go for music or even want to try and audition for The Voice, for that matter of fact. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make it general for everybody. Um, no matter what you want to do in life, if you want to be a, the best guitar player, if you want to be a singer, if you want to be an artist, if you want to be an actor, a cook, a teacher, the president of the United States, whatever it is that you want to pursue in life, never give up. First thing you have to do is believe that you can do it, never give up, and always keep trying. Um, you only fail when you give up. You only fail when you say, I've had enough, I'm not doing this anymore. Then you fail. So I think that Sometimes it's hard to believe in ourselves. Um, it's hard to believe that, oh, I can become that. But I want to leave you guys with that message. I was able to win the Star Ledger Scholarship because I worked hard, because I believed that I could do it, and, and I went for it. And take chances. That's the biggest thing. You can practice all day, but if you never put yourself out there, if you never audition, you're not going to get the part. You're not going to get to meet Ed Sheeran if you don't, 
I don't know, audition to play in his band or whatever you're trying to do. So go for it. Put yourself out there. Be it's it's very vulnerable sometimes and, and we're scared as humans, we're scared to be vulnerable. But it's part of our humanity and I think that we have to walk past that's what I wanna leave you guys with. I hope you guys enjoyed this moment that we had nailed and so for, uh, finally before before we wrap it up who's one person that you would like to see on the tea with my podcast who do i want to see here yeah so you can either know them it can be someone that you don't know but you think it might be cool it can be either okay um i would like to see taylor swift on the tea okay. with Mike. And then if, if she gets here, I want to join. Well, thanks so much uh, for being on the podcast and uh, for giving up some of your time. I, I re really enjoyed uh, the, the conversation and your energy and your vibes. Thanks so much, Mike. It was a pleasure meeting you. And hopefully I can meet you in person one day. And this was another episode of the Tea with Mike show uh, with Sabrina Diaz. It's the Tea with Mike show.